Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another installment of the Uncle Sacky Podcast. I'm your host and everyone's favorite uncle, Stephen J. Sacky. And I'm your co-host, Rob Valeria. What's up, everybody? What do we got in the news? This week, <clears throat> eight people were killed in a mass shooting Thursday night at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis. At least four of the eight employees killed were members of the Sikh community. Indianapolis's Sikh population has experienced significant growth over the past two decades. Authorities identified the gunman as 19-year-old Brandon Scott Hole, a former employee at the facility. Hole killed himself shortly before police arrived. They're making it like this kid uh, deliberately targeted Sikhs. I think there's just like a big Sikh community and he just wanted to fucking shoot the place up. You know? Four of the eight. Yeah, I mean... If, if if only half of them were, it doesn't seem like he was necessarily targeting them. Yeah, they said I he, don't think it was a hate crime per se. It might have just been him hating his job. Yeah, that's what they're <laughs> insinuating, know? but he used to work there. So I'm thinking right. like uh, either that or you know his FedEx package never showed up and he figured, fuck this place, I'm going to fucking shoot it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't really know anything about it, but they always kill themselves. Not all of them. A lot of times. They Most do. of them do. Yeah. But yeah, the, 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 like I said on on the first show, is it's like a sign that things are going back to normal. The resurgence in mass shootings and the fact that you didn't even hear about this one. No. You don't even no. hear about it. It's not even news anymore. Because he's white, right? Is he white? I mean, his last name's fucking Hole. Sounds Probably. very... Sounds very... Sounds pretty white. Yeah. yeah. That's gotta be a fuck... You know, that, that's probably the motive right there. It's, it's kids probably Having picked on Having that last name, yeah. yeah. Hey, what's up, so asshole? Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's your hole doing, Brandon? Fucking dick hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely got fucked with too much growing up. <laughs> and then he gets a job at FedEx... And he's just looking at packages all day. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck everything. <laughs> FedEx is supposedly a great job, though. Is it? Um, yeah. But, yeah. like, on paper... There's a lot of jobs that are good on paper, but when you realize just how fucking mindless it is, you're just... Yeah, the monotony of it, and, yeah, staring at packages and loading shit. And... Yeah. Do you think a fucking FedEx worker walks into work like, God, I really just can't wait to yeah, get those yeah, yeah. packages out there. Yeah. No. Same thing with Amazon. Like they're really making a difference. They really have a purpose of some kind. Right? I mean, at least at FedEx, like like from what I hear, you could actually get like a real career that you could sustain a family on. Amazon is just straight up slave drivers. Yeah. It's just minimum wage doing the same kind of fucking work. Just in a warehouse all day. Mining fucking boxes, shipping it to fucking Timbuktu, and, uh, yeah. It's funny how everywhere Amazon is. Like, any time you go to the fucking, to the gas station right here, the Dunkin' Donuts one by the expressway, mm -hmm. there's at least two Amazon trucks. Oh, yeah, they're everywhere. Fueling up. Every single time. Those I, vans. I'm not sure if it was Amazon, or maybe FedEx, but, you know, I read somewhere that fucking... Uh, somewhere in the south, like the union, the, the, the workers tried to unionize and it just didn't pan out for them. I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Is it Amazon? I'm not sure. I just I just know like a bunch of workers in like one of those companies 
They tried to unionize down in the south, and uh, they just they couldn't get it cooking. Well, that's a shame. Man, what can you do? All right. Next up, <clears throat> Sadiq Teague, an 18-year-old from Columbus, Ohio, is facing weapons charges after officers patrolling a Times Square subway station spotted him with an AK-47 and a loaded magazine. Teague was seated while changing his phone, excuse me, charging his phone, and had the unloaded AK-47 in front of him. That's ballsy. What a fucking idiot. I mean, thank God that he is an idiot, and they spotted him. Right. Yeah, why do they always come to New York? Why do they always gotta fuck with us? Can't you, like, fucking... Uh... Because, it's bi- because it's New York. I, I get because it. Because if you're gonna go, you know, you gotta go big or go home. So I guess if you're going to fucking do something, come to New York and do it. But the New York cops are so on point that you can't even do it anymore. Like, there's been so many times. I remember when I was working at BB King's, like, uh, right around the corner, they fucking had a bomb in a fucking van, and the fucking cops sniffed it out. Yeah. They're, like, there's been so many thwarted attempts ever since 9-11 that it's like, why even bother? Like, like they're on point. They're going to fucking find you. Quit fucking with us. Go find another city to fucking blow up. The fuck? But suppose you want to go into Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, which happens to be in Times Square. <laughs> 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 get one of those AK-47s, I like. <laughs> uh, what, what a fucking idiot, though. Yeah. Uh... How do you just have an AK-47 in front of you? Like, he's sitting in the subway. It's not as if I'm hoping that he kill a bunch of people, but it's like, if you're gonna do it, then you should do it this dumb in a way fuck. that you're not gonna get caught before you even do it. He came all the way from fucking Columbus, Ohio to, to get... Right, just to get arrested. Like an idiot. Dumb fuck. Ridiculous. It's the youth. Look at this shit. The 19-year-old... 18, guy, 18-year-old kid from Ohio. What the fuck do they know yeah. from Ohio? Well, when you're young, um, uh, you think the world sucks, and it, and it does. But it, it takes, like, a few more years of being weathered to realize, like, all right, it sucks, like, but, you know, you're going to have to fucking live with it. Right. You know what I mean? All right. Next up. As health experts worry about a COVID-19 resurgence, a forecasting team said the country did not make significant progress against the virus this week. The global death toll has now surpassed 3 million people. Those are rookie numbers. we got to bump those numbers up. Yeah. What the fuck is the vaccine doing then? You know what I mean? I guess it's because like everybody's loosening up and they're opening everything up, so they just want to like say this to fucking scare everybody and get them in line, like like don't keep your fucking mask on. I mean, I know that it's just like obvious at this point, but when I think about how stupid we seem in the way that we're handling this, like I I you know that in like twenty years when they're talking about the COVID pandemic, they're going to be abusing the response. Like, wearing a mask, walking into a place, but then as soon as you sit down, 
it's safe to take the mask off. Uh, you know, it I, makes absolutely no sense. On, on the way no. over here, the owner of a restaurant that I used to work at, I ran into him uh, in the store to get cigarettes. You know, I say to him, I'm, I'm like, hey, things picking up now that they're, you know, loosening the, you know, the restrictions. He's like, they're fucking killing us. They're fucking killing us. He's like, they're, they're, the cops are coming in all the time, or health inspectors, whatever. They come in all the time to break balls. He's like, if one of my guys in the kitchen has the mask under his nose, $1,500 fine. $1,500. And yet, and yet the fucking, the, the, the customers could just come in and sit down and take the mask off. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make any it's sense. It's extortion is what it is. Yeah, they're just trying to fucking make some money off of it. I mean, they but they always do that. They're always going to do that. No matter but but, what the but issue is. how are you going to charge $1,500 because some fucking Mexican dishwasher has his fucking mask underneath his nose? Right, so that, so that he could breathe while he's doing his it, job. Yeah, and, and you're going to charge a restaurant $1,500 fine when you've already fucked that industry. How do you do that? That, yeah. that? That's just obscene. If I was the guy that had to write those tickets, I'd probably swallow a fucking bullet. Because Where do you get the balls right, to fucking just, do just that? Just knowing that this is who you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I used to think, like, people that write, like, tickets, like, uh, you know, parking tickets, it's like, God, you must fucking hate your life that you're just the, the cause of so much misery. Right, and that's nothing compared but, to this Yeah, shit. that, yeah. like, I mean, it's like, whatever. It's you, like, you're, you're enforcing the law. You gotta it's make a, a law limit. for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, if you park by a hydrant, I had no idea how insane that ticket was. I had to park by a hydrant in Brooklyn one time when I was working because I literally couldn't find a spot. I was in Sunset Park. And I had to do an assessment somewhere in Sunset Park and I could not find the spot. And I was running late, so I just parked by a hydrant. And when I got the ticket, I had no idea that a hydrant ticket was that insane. It's like $120. That's not bad. For a hydrant ticket. That's a bad parking ticket. No, That's gotta, a pretty intense parking ticket. I gotta, $120 is like a speeding ticket. You know what I mean? You don't get a parking ticket that's that much. That's I got nuts. I got a ticket for 115 for having an expired fucking inspection. That doesn't seem like well, when you said it's a lot, I was thinking you were gonna say a lot more than 120. That seems reasonable considering you're you're obstructing. You're obstructing a fucking fire. <laughs> like that, I got. I think 120 is reasonable on that one. To tell you the truth. Yeah, but when did you ever see? A fire department that had to put out a fire and they couldn't because someone was parked at the fire hydrant. It happens. They Never. smash. They smash through the fucking windows. Yeah, but you see that in movies. No, I, like they do that in Backdraft. You never see it well, in real life. Well, we're on Staten Island. If if you uh, believe me, it probably happens a lot more than you think in like you know the other boroughs in like boroughs? Brooklyn and Bronx, the Queens. You know. Because they got assholes like you that have a fucking handicapped spot and you, you, you think like you could just park wherever you like. That was not what I was doing. <laughs> but that's your karma because you've been getting good parking spots your whole fucking life. Not for my whole life. Well, most of it. Yeah, but that's one of the only fucking benefits to my situation. Uh, well, I have, there's two benefits to having one leg. One is handicapped parking. And two is I get to cut lines sometimes. 
I think it's a fair trade for my leg. Oh, cut. <laughs> I think you. I think if you had lost your leg, you'd probably be like, "All right, I'm going to utilize every fucking advantage I can." Oh yeah, I would. You know what I mean, I'm just saying that like you get decent parking spots while the rest of us are suffering, and uh, yeah, but still, like we're doing a podcast, and you say things that make me look bad. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you look bad. I mean, what the fuck, you got one leg. Not making yeah. fun of that. No, I know. I know. I mean, it is funny sometimes. It's very funny sometimes. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. I have to. I have to utilize it as often as possible. There's always a moment. It happened recently with some with with somebody that's like a new a new friend, where they don't even know about the leg, and then eventually, hopefully before they even know about the leg, they'll they'll say one of those like leg euphemisms. And the other night she was like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And you don't even have a leg to stand on. <laughs> and I looked at the, at the other person that knows me for years and I was like, you see this shit? She's trying to be cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually amazing because it always happens at some point where they make one of those statements. And then I get to fucking lift my pant leg up like, oh, you're trying to be cute, huh? Well, when do people let you cut the line? I never, I never witnessed that with you. That's happened. Um, it it ha has to be in the summer when you have the shorts on, because you, you. Well, no, I mean, like when when I when I even when I traveled, like when me and when me and Dave went to Paris, um, the line for the catacombs was literally like fucking around the block, all the way down the street, just to get in there. It's it's also not worth waiting on that line, by the way, for most people. You know, it's a like it's cool, but how long can you stare at fucking bones and skulls? But whatever. So if if it wasn't for my leg, we would not have been able to see the catacombs because we would not have waited on that line. We went right to the front of the line, and I was like, "Listen, you got like a handicap uh, entrance or something," and and they were like, "Well, whatever the fuck they said in French." And I just lifted my leg up, and they were like, oh, okay. So you know, it benefits me. It sucks that you went to the catacombs when you were sober. Because, you know, it, it would be fucking awesome if you were still using. Because they have, like, fucking raves down there and shit. Could you imagine just dropping acid and then just being in the fucking catacombs looking at skulls and shit? I feel like that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, it definitely does. It's a does. tourist thing. that You can't get in there. The catacombs are fucking huge. They, they, listen, you gotta know a guy. You gotta get in good with the fucking French. They have little fucking secret passageways. There's fucking French people always dying down there because they don't leave like a fucking trail of Skittles to find their way out. imagine? <laughs> what a horrible way to fucking die. Yeah. You oh just, my God. You just die in a death pit. Honestly, by far... The absolute worst decision that people ever make, something that I would never do, are these cave divers that they're like scuba diving enthusiasts, they're obsessed with diving, and I guess they like run out of adrenaline from doing normal scuba diving, and then eventually they try to dive into these caves where there's like a high death rate of people that just fucking drown down there. And you wind up running out of oxygen because you get lost down there. That is by far the worst possible way to die, I think. These I can people, think of worse ways, but... Um, I don't know, bro. Well, listen, if you're fucking diving in caves... When you were a kid... You, you do gotta come in here. When you were a kid and you were trying to hold your breath as long as you could in a pool, 
when you get to that point of, oh my God, I have to resurface, that panicky feeling of requiring oxygen, imagine experiencing that with a with like 50 pounds of fucking scuba diving equipment strapped on you in the dark in a cave somewhere. Come on. That's horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. And it's so fucked up. It's like Everest where they can't even retrieve your body. Because who the fuck is going to go get it? People are too sentimental. I mean, if I, if I die in a fucking cave, just fucking leave me there. I'll be fine. They're gonna. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> They're gonna. You got no choice. <laughs> you got no choice. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. All right, what else nightmare. we got? What else we got? Next page. What else we got? This is big. As the Derek Chauvin trial draws closer to a verdict. Isn't it Chauvin? I don't know. I've been hearing this guy's name for you. I'm pretty sure it's Chauvin. Chauvin. Whatever. Whatever. I'm saying it how I say it. As the Derek Chauvin trial draws closer to a verdict, Minnesota police officer Kim Potter mistook her Glock for her taser gun and shot Dante Wright during a traffic stop. The incident happened in Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis. This was very confusing to me because as I was reading it at first, I was like, oh shit, this happened in Brooklyn. No, they have, have fucking Brooklyn riots Center all over in, New York now. Well, we will, but, but, but it's Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis. But it's not going to be as bad as if it happened in Brooklyn. Because then we were talking about riots that were going to happen right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um... Whatever, so it happened in... It's in Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis. It's not in Brooklyn. Just a few miles away from the George Floyd incident, Kim Potter resigned and was charged with second-degree manslaughter. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. You got her. You got the guy in Chicago where you see uh, the kid with the... The 13-year-old kid with the gun. Uh, You know, you you see... Like, it's, it's... That one, the body cam footage is a little blurry but I've seen two different pictures from like you know people that that subscribe to one side of the argument and the other there's one where it's clearly like a gun in his hand and then there's also an image where it's clearly like his hands are in the air oh you're talking about a different thing no I know uh, the, the the Chicago one but uh well, yeah when I, I first saw that video we saw it basically around the same time when I first saw the video, I was like, oh shit, this cop is fucked because that kid threw his hands up. But I didn't notice originally that when he put his hands up, one of his fucking hands had a gun in it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry, once again, you're a fucking kid. These kids are, are retarded. Like, if you're being chased by a cop and you have a fucking gun in your hand, drop the gun. You don't put your hands up with your gun... In your hand still. I've like, been, what is wrong uh, with you? I've been strategically avoiding this topic here because you can't speak about it one way or the other without, without upsetting people off. one person or another. But um, it just it feels like like this week it feels like an elephant in the room that has to be addressed, I guess. But you know what's fucking crazy about the Derek Chauvin uh, trial is that you know they got the the blue coat of silence. It's like a muerta, except they actually fucking... Stick to it. Yes. 
They never, ever, ever roll on on another officer. I the, know. The, the, the fucking brass over there turned on this guy. They all openly fucking said that this isn't something that reflects us. That's never happened. Never. Oh, that that where they flipped on him? Pretty much at the trial, like they're all like like the fuck chief and fucking whoever's fucking high up. They went to court and they said this doesn't reflect uh, Minneapolis police's values. This is Minnesota, though. Yeah. This would never happen in New York. Oh fuck no. Never. Yeah, no, no way. But um, yeah. But you, you know what it is. Wait, one thing that's I gotta say that's fucking crazy with with the taser gun lady is you're you're a fucking idiot. You're She's ten, a fucking idiot. Yeah, you're ten miles away from where this happened. Like, like if I'm a cop in the Minnesota area while this is going on, I'm gonna be like Willy Wonka. If you 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 could rob a bank and I'll be like, stop, please, stop. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I mean, like the kid didn't. He didn't have a weapon. Granted, he did resist and try to flee. It's it's such a it's such a touchy thing. I fall somewhere in the middle on this. I you know, feel bad for the lady because you could see that she was just genuinely an idiot. Because yeah, when you watch the video, the way she, are you? Pretty like, dumb. How do you not know? You're you're a cop. You made it through the academy. I don't care if you're a rookie. How do you not know the now, she's difference? She's no rookie. She's 18 years. I think 18 years she's been on. No. Yeah. 18 years? Pretty sure 18. Maybe it's 18 months. No, 18. I could have sworn she, she was a rookie. No, I've seen her mugshot. She looks like she's at least in her 40s, maybe 50. I, she, she looks a little, uh, a little, I mean, nobody looks good in a mugshot, but she looks a little uh, rusty. Some people look good in mugshots. Sinatra. <coughs> Jim Morrison. These are good mugshots. You know? My mugshot looks like shit. But I digress. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know, man. This is such a touchy thing to share your opinion on. But I, I feel like I could share my opinion because I fall somewhere in the middle. Um, don't resist arrest. Don't try to flee the scene. Don't have a gun or any weapon of any kind. But at the same time, is it, is it in, you know what it is? The, the issue is not that these things happen and someone kind of pointed this out to me and, and I could understand where they're coming from and it's a, such a touchy thing, but it's not so much that these incidents happen. It's that when they happen, like we were just talking about, the departments always protect their own. And when, and when a cop fucks up and shoots an unarmed suspect regardless of whether they're resisting or not it should be handled you know what I mean like they they should be brought to trial and they should suffer repercussions from it but at the same time you are asking these people to deal with right they're dealing with things that we could never possibly comprehend because they're literally trained to assume that anyone is is potentially gonna try to kill them. Look, so it's I work with, with, with I work at a detox. There's people coming off the street. They're constantly cursing. I've been spit on. I uh, it, it it's it, it's 
it's nowhere on the level of what police have to deal with day in, day out. But I just could see where aggravation and frustration comes into play. Oh, yeah, dude. I worked in a, in a detox for four years. I was losing my fucking mind. I should have been fired so many times so when because I would snap the fuck out on these patients. And the only reason I didn't lose my job is because I was so well-liked. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, that's, I, but that's I'm my, losing my fucking mind. Yeah, but imagine that you're dealing with criminals all day that tell you, fuck you, fuck you, spit in your face. Right. Some people are bound to snap. Right, and they think that they can get away with it, and they're usually right, because of the spotlight that's on law enforcement now. Listen, you know I, what I mean? I, like, they're I, probably like, is, oh, you can't do anything to me because, you know. It's a fucked up thing to say, but the, 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 the bad that happens on both sides, it's just the cost of doing business. That's the thing that... that Could it be better? Of, sure. But, you know. To be honest, I do agree with... I do agree with the, with the idea that they should have stricter... Um, vetting. There should be stricter vetting that goes on for people that become police officers. There should they do have strict vetting. Fucking, uh, they, they have all it's kinds not of... as strict as it should be. There, there should be a stronger psych evaluation. They have a strong psych, psych evaluation. Believe me. Believe well, me. Believe me. Trust me, they do. They do. They look at everything. Well then, I don't know, man. Maybe you—you you, you could make. Well, you can't be a cop, but I can't. I can't be one because of my history. They have trained psychologists bring you in. Listen, it's it's human nature when you when you have to deal with two opposing uh, forces huh. that things are gonna get messy. <laughs> things don't go so well. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. All right. What else we got? Last story. Pop and rock stars are planning a global broadcast to support equal vaccine distribution. The streaming special will be hosted by Selena Gomez and feature Jennifer Lopez, Eddie Vedder, Foo Fighters, Jay Balvin, and her. I don't even know who some of these people are anymore. Well, we, we actually know most of them. Who's Jay Balvin and her? I mean, who the fuck knows? But, but we know Eddie Vedder, we know Foo Fighters, we know J-Lo, we, we know who Selena Gomez is. Hey, listen, I hate when these fucking celebrities get together, like, oh, you should get vaccinated, tell you how they think that you should live your life, but, uh, you know, that's a better lineup than fucking that, that slob Cardi B. Well, yeah. What a fucked up time we live in, huh? Yeah. Between the COVID stuff, and like, again, I know it's like something that's so obvious that everybody's been talking about for a long time, but like... You're gonna start. You're gonna start like canceling Dr. Seuss and whoever the fuck else is being canceled because I'm surprised Pepe because, Le Pew lasted as long as he did. Yeah, I called that like a year or so ago. Like, why isn't anybody realizing that Pepe Le Pew is a straight up racist? No, rapist, not racist. Rapist. Oh, I He's said not, racist. You said racist. I meant rapist. You said punch. Well, pinch, punch, punch or pinch. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said punch. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just like imagine, imagine a song called "Wet Ass Pussy." 
wins song of the year and this is a woman that was like uh was like a low life stripper that was like robbing men she was drugging them and robbing drugging them. them and robbing them and this is who they had interview a presidential candidate it's like let's get her who'd she interview joe biden I didn't even know that. You didn't know that she interviewed Joe Biden? No. He was silent for the I stayed whole... blissfully ignorant of a lot of political bullshit. She, he didn't do any campaigning at all. And the one interview that like he did wasn't with a journalist or anybody respectable. Cardi B. <laughs> that was the most disgusting display I ever saw in my life. They decided, let's get Cardi B. You want to know why they got Cardi B? Because he's old. He's fucking senile. He says wacky shit like his, the blonde hair on his fucking legs curl up when children rub up on, on it. Did he, he say that? He did say that. And they figured, all right, well, Cardi B's a fucking nincompoop. I think, uh, I think he could handle her. We were having this conversation the other night. I forget who I was with, but like, it's like that Colin thing when Colin's talking about how fucked up human beings are and he's like and then we wonder why a UFO doesn't just land and say hello no pretty much you know what I mean like if you're if you're a group of aliens and you're obviously more advanced than us if you're keeping a close eye on things and you're watching the way that human beings conduct themselves particularly at the highest levels of power of government and the way that things are run and handled why the fuck would you ever want anything to do with us? Well, you know, we're on display 24-7 because of, you know, smartphones and technology. I think, uh, I think the people before us were just as stupid. It's just uh, you didn't get to see it as much. Like, you didn't have as much... Um, it wasn't all-encompassing stupidity if guys that's like, on display all the time. If guys like Jim Morrison uh, fucking had, like, a TikTok or a fucking Instagram and you're just following his day-to-day -day bullshit, you would realize he's a fucking drunken idiot. And he, uh, he wouldn't have the mystique that he has now. You know what I mean? Like, you would realize, like, oh, these people actually are fucking stupid that I shouldn't idolize. Yeah, well, there was a different time. It's a completely fucking different time. Well, I think that'll about wrap it up. Next up, we got an interview with Kim Bellis. She started the website Sober is the New Cool. Wait, we got to talk about the movie that we never talked about. Uh, no? Uh, all right. Uh, last week, we, we do a segment called Spoiler Alert. This week, we're going to do The Unholy. We missed it last week because that's how forgettable this film was. Like, it's not even fun to bash. I love Jeffrey Dean uh, Morgan, the star of the movie. Me too, yeah. Even though, like, it, it wasn't his fault. On The Walking Dead, I was th hoping that he would bring, uh, breathe new life into that show with the character Negan. He plays his part right. It's just the writers of that show fucking drop the ball and they drag shit out. So that's not his fault. He was awesome as the comedian. He's not in enough stuff. I feel like he's no, kind of he's a slept-on guy. He's a very slept-on guy. His vibe is fucking cool. I fucking like that guy. But that movie was just dull. It, all horror movies today suck. They don't even try and, like, like scare you with creativity. They'll just, like... You'll just have, like, a couple pop-up moments where, like, the monster or the ghost or the ghoul will just make, like, a loud noise and just make you jump, like, two, three times. And that's it. 
It's so it's so predictable now. That's the problem. It's like it, it it's such a well honed, utilized formula that it's like as you're watching the movie, you can sense when they're about to hit you with a jump scare or a noise or the the, the worst is when like the the music like starts to crescendo and you know that they're about to give you like a fake jump scare where like you know what I mean? Like where where they're making you think something fucked up is gonna happen, but it's actually the husband that's about to walk up behind her and, and go, Oh hey honey and she's like, oh, oh, I didn't know I didn't know you were home, you know, or something ridiculous like that. It's just like it's so fucking predictable. You watch a lot of those horror movies, though. Every time it, you go, I'm like, why is he watching this? It's, it's so funny. Suck. Something happened. I don't know what the fuck happened to me as I got older, but, like, I never want to watch funny. Like, like I'll never want to put on a comedy. My go-to when I'm looking to find something to watch is always a horror movie. And I don't know why, because, like, literally... Almost 10 times out of 10. Forget about 9 times out of 10. Basically 100% of the time, I'm going to spend 2 hours watching something ridiculous. And it's never actually going to be scary. And it's never actually going to be creative. But for some fucking reason, I don't know. Just always coming back for more. Hoping that like... Cause like you sound like a heroin addict. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping it's going to be great this time. Yeah, and it well, never is. This time is different. Yeah, <laughs> this time it won't burn me, so here's how. You know? <laughs> Bro, it's like I put my hand to the hot stove. But it, it yeah, it's just always a fucking We saw another stupid horror mistake. movie like once uh, a couple years back. That's, what was it? The Nun? Awful. God we awful. saw that together? Yeah. I was drunk. Oh, I don't remember. I was that. still drinking. Well, you went with all your sober friends, and I, 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 I fucking said something. You probably made it. it even worse, yeah. Well, the the girl pissed me off, so I, I just, but I basically made her uncomfortable. Oh, I wish I could remember what girl it was, but you can't tell me right now. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not gonna. Fuck. I'm not gonna put it out there like that. I, I, since sobering up, I felt bad about fucking with her like that. But yeah, she just, uh, she said something that uh, I didn't like to me once. So. Uh, I made her feel really uncomfortable about it. Yeah, because that's what I do when I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you do that when you're sober, too, really. <laughs> yeah, but I would only do it to you. I wouldn't do it to someone that I'm not close with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. But so, anyway. yeah, Unholy sucked. Yeah, bullshit. Um, you know, like, it's all right for what it is, but that's it, you know. Don't see it. Uh, next week, Mortal Kombat's out, so we'll have a better spoiler alert segment for you. But right now, let's go to the interview. I got Kim Bellis with SoberIsTheNewCool.com. She started this website because her son is epileptic. He can't drink. He would try to, to like, you know, have like a normal youth. And he'd end up in the hospital because he's epileptic. And she said to him, you don't have to drink that fun. And when she said it, she realized she had a glass of wine in her hand. And she said, that's it. I'm going to be sober to help my son. And uh, all the, the proceeds from the website, they, they make clothing. They go to all different kinds of mental health issues. Very sweet lady. Let's go to the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have Kim Bellis with us. She has the website soberisthenewcool.com. How are you today, Kim? 
I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So tell us about Sober is the New Cool. Well, Sober is the New Cool is something that started in 2013 uh, for my son that started getting grand mal seizures. Unfortunately, uh, everything went upside down. He couldn't play football or sports. So um, as time went on, I'd tell him, encourage him, go out with your buddies, still have fun. And he called me and say, mom, come and pick me up. Uh, so one after the third or fourth time, I realized we needed to have a little chat. And I said, what's going on? You know, I don't understand why you can't have fun. You don't need booze to have fun. As I said it, I saw I had this huge glass of wine in my hand. And I realized, wow, you are such a hypocrite. So I said, I'm going to stop drinking for three months. And after three months came and went, uh, I realized I was feeling better. I was sleeping better. Uh, my anxiety levels were better, especially having a sick child. Uh, so my son said, but see, mom, now you could drink and be like everybody else. So I said, okay, Matt, I'm going to do it for another three months. Now I'm going on eight years, January 12, 2021, sober. Um, and basically, sober is the new cool started for him to give him the confidence that he didn't need to drink or do drugs to enjoy his life. But as a 52-year-old woman, I realized the social aspect of not drinking and the social pressure on me, never mind him, was outrageous. Uh, people would say, you could have one glass, nobody's going to know. And so I realized at that point that obviously for me, I was never falling down drunk or anything, but alcohol was a problem because my life has changed. We are happier. I communicate better. My son is now going on three years, finally seizure-free after finding the right medicine. And he does his talks with young boys. So we just decided to do Sober is the New Cool. People said it'll never work. You cannot put sober and cool in the same sentence. And here we are eight years later, and it's become quite a movement. Very nice. And you're located in Canada, right? Yes, Montreal. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I could say from my personal experiences that I struggled with uh, having fun in sobriety, but um, I think I figured it out. Good for you. Yeah, I'm a bit of a goofball, so I, I get creative with, with things that I do for fun. Well, that's fantastic. That's what I find that what I've met at all these people in the sober community, they're so creative and they're funny. Um, they're, I just find, you know, they're, they're easy to communicate with and they're very helpful and honest. And um, I, I feel I'm blessed to be part of it. Very nice. So uh, you said that uh, you donate some of the, the money that you make from like all the apparel to uh, yes. mental health causes. Yes. Yes. For, for me, uh, we have a, a an institute here called the Douglas Foundation, where 10,000 people go in and out of this uh, institution for uh, different reasons, whether it's Alzheimer's, things to do with the brain, bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, suicide. Um, and what I've seen in all the people that I've spoken to in the last eight years, that many times uh, mental health and addiction, like the booze is just a band-aid for something that makes them sad or they don't want to deal with or some trauma they've lived with. So 
I thought it was a perfect fit. And I do, I believe in, you know, helping out uh, anyone and everyone that can help others in the sober community. Yeah, I think mental health is uh, pretty important now more than ever because a lot of people didn't react to the pandemic. Oh, by the exactly. way, what was it like up there? Well, in Montreal, actually, we, we uh, closed down pretty much everything last March. And then uh, it was very strict. We, uh, the restaurants were not open very long when they did reopen. Uh, they're still closed. Uh, we were kind of hoping they would reopen sometime after Easter and no such luck. The cases are going back up. Uh, so they're really being diligent. Uh, the gyms, they tried to reopen. But after, I don't even think two weeks, everything was closed down again. So they're really, uh, you know, they really want to try and get, you know, to Jan June 24th. Uh, that's a big weekend here in Montreal for French people called Saint-Jean-Baptiste. They really want to get that and Canada Day, July 1st, like back open and running. So I think that's why they're also closing everything back down right now. That sounds rough. I mean, I was kind of complaining because I'm in New York and <laughs> Cuomo's pretty strict, our governor. And then you yes. look at states like like Florida and Texas, huh. where it's like a free for all. And it's like, ah, why do I, why can't we have those freedoms? But we've had gyms open for a little while now and they would have like outdoor dining and now you could eat inside. So talking to you now, it's like, all right, I really can't complain about much. Yes. Yeah. No, no. Be really smile. Smile. You've got it good. Yeah, it sounds like the Third Reich up there. <laughs> well, actually, we even have a curfew till 8 p.m. Really? Unless you have a dog, you're not allowed out past 8 p.m. So it's getting a little, uh, you know. But the young people, you know, I guess we're going out and uh, partying and, and, you know, getting together when they weren't supposed to. And, you know, I, I don't think it actually was just young people. I think it was a lot of people, actually. So. They decided, you know, we want to, you know, when we reopen, reopen. And, and so hopefully I'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, we'll be back to normal by June. All right. Uh, how's like uh, the vaccine distribution been up there? Well, I'm 60. So uh, I was one of the lucky ones. I got my vaccine about three weeks ago. Um, now it's 55 plus. It's, it's slow. And quite honestly, I think that's part of our problem why we can't reopen. Um, so hopefully they're going to like zoom that up a bit and uh, we'll get back to normal sooner than later. Yeah, I, I, I'm technically a healthcare worker. I work at a, oh. I work at a detox. Um, I'm like a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I didn't want to get the vaccine, but I also want to enjoy my summer and be able to go wherever I want. So it looks like the way that the writing on the wall says if you don't have it, you're not going to be able to go to like sporting events or concerts. So I was like, you know what? Let me just get it. Plus, no, I and you know, in the in the in the end, you know what? If it's going to keep everybody that much safer, why not? Right? Might as well. Absolutely. I'm just grateful I didn't get sick, and I got the. Yeah. Uh, which one did you get? I got the Johnson and Johnson. It was one shot done. No, I got the Pfizer, but I have a 26 year old son. And last year he got COVID. So, oh, really? uh, yeah, 
I mean, he was very tired for about a week, but his taste of uh, smell, his taste and his uh, sense of smell was gone for about two months. And, you know, it took a while for his energy level to get back up and he's fit, you know, like he exercises, he eats properly. So, you know, you don't want to get it. Trust me. Yeah, well, I made it this far and now I got the vaccine. So uh, knock on wood. Very good. But, you know, my, my attitude's always been I survived heroin addiction. COVID doesn't stand a chance for me. But very good. So how long have you been sober? Two and a half years. But Way uh, too- I've been in and out of recovery uh, for like for years. So I like to joke and I like to say, well, I really got seven years, just just not in a row. Well, you know, I that's one thing about Sober is the New Cool. We feel that, you know, if you make a mistake, it doesn't take away all the good that you've done. You know, like you have to get back up and try again. But like some people, they, you know, they slip and then they think, well, what's the point of trying again? And, you know, so I'm really happy for you because that's a that's quite a, you know, an accomplishment. It's definitely the most time I've had. Like I had a year and change uh, back when I was 26. I'm 34 now. This is the most time I've strummed together. And and how did you find it with COVID? Well, I was working on my book, so I kind of enjoyed the solitude. I mean, me, I'm not much of a, a homebody. I like to go out and stuff, but I kind of needed the time to myself. So I kind of just used it to my advantage. Well, that's excellent because 34, that's it. You've got the rest of your life ahead of you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I used to think like you turn 30 and that's it. You're a, you're a dinosaur. Your life's over. And now I'm starting to figure <laughs> out like, no, nah, I'm just getting <laughs> no. warmed up. Exactly. You know, so I, and what, what made you successful this time? Um, well, uh, there was like a sh- string of events that happened that led to me getting sober and it kind of just left me with this lunatic energy where it's like I'm not just going to get sober but I'm going to be on a hell-bent mission to completely turn my life around in all aspects like I and I started doing other things other than you know because I had done the 12 steps before I'd done uh you know meetings and all that Uh, And I said to myself, that's not going to be enough. You have to do more. So I started like exercising. I started working on the book. Um, One thing they stress in recovery and is prayer and meditation. And I never really went for the spiritual stuff because, you know, I came in like a militant atheist. And now I like to think of myself as like a reluctant agnostic. Like I got some faith, but I still have questions. Okay. (laughs) But one thing that I, I started doing as part of my routine is praying and meditating every day. And I definitely seen results. I, I believe in meditation. I find that it's a, it's a huge help, you know, to get through those moments uh, because it is, it's sometimes it's minute by minute. You know, I, I know I was sober for uh, over six years and it was the first time my husband and I had left my son, Matthew alone for the summer. He would come and go, to this country home we had uh, rented and not having control of him and the house and the issues and seeing everyday uh, movements of him made me crazy. And that whole summer was really hard for me not to drink. 
So it is, you know, there are different times in your life where, you know, circumstances, you know, you have to be strong and you have to find something that works for you and whatever it is, do it, you know? Yeah. Meditation was a, a, a real game changer for me. And, um, you know, I read somewhere that drugs, alcohol, it does something to the gray matter in your brain and like it destroys it. And meditation kind of repairs it like from a scientific perspective, it's been proven to to heal that. And I, I, I definitely see like because I used to be like, oh, meditation, I can't sit still for two seconds. But once I force <laughs> myself to do it, I could see that, you know, I'm a bit of a frantic individual and I could get angry easily and just fly off the handle. I'm a little bit more peaceful and it, it takes, you, you got to really push my buttons to get me out of character. Now it happens, That's but um, you know, I'm definitely much more patient with people and, you know, everyday nonsense. Your family must be extremely proud of you. Yeah, very much so. And, and you work at a detox center, no less. So you're giving back. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. It, it, I, well, it, 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 it has its heartache sometimes. Well, I'm sure because you've been through it, right? So you can really understand what they're going through. Oh, I absolutely do. But um, sometimes, uh, how do I want to describe it? Like, like when I see like the negative behavior and, you know, I know that I used to do the same thing. It, it just gets frustrating. And then, and also when you're in detox there, the first few days is the worst, No, yeah, yeah, the worst part. So, you know, I'll be trying to be helpful and they'll look at me like a bad guy and curse me out, spit yeah. in my face, all kinds of craziness. And it, it, it gets frustrating sometimes. I, I'm sure it must be because the, the patience you must have to have is incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, but one one thing that was really cool, though, that I that doesn't happen often was there's um, I don't know if it's a rehab. Um, I think it's more like a halfway house or something he, out here. But one of the counselors there, he knows me from the meetings and he's been reading my book to like the clients. And he's like, wow. Would you? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's so cool. He's like, would you come by and like say hello? I'm like, yeah, of course. So, oh, that's you know, terrific. yeah, so I go there and then two guys on my way out are bringing an AA meeting in and they actually happen to be former patients from my job. I was like, wow, wow that's pretty cool to see. But that you see, and I see you smile like that. And, you know, I think for me as a mother, um, seeing all you young people actually talking about this and reaching out to others and uh, creating a place of no shame, you know, yeah, zero judgment. And I think it's so helpful to, you know, to other people to know they're not alone. And, and I mean, it makes me smile. It makes my heart happy that I see that. Yeah. That's kind of the power of um, telling your stories because when you identify with someone else, which is why, like in meetings, we share our stories, because when you when you hear someone that just like. You identify with and it resonates, it just kind of touches you in a in a in a special way. 
Well, I, I think that, you know, we've all done things in our life, no matter who we are, that we're not uh, proud of. And, you know, I think being able to share that lifts part of that, that, that stress and that anxiety that we carry. And, you know, it helps other feel that they're not alone and they can, they can, they can be honest too, which is the whole point, right? Because if you're not honest, you know, where are you going? Absolutely. So uh, how old is your son now? My son's going to be 24 in uh, August. So he's actually done two podcasts now. And he's giving back because I have a lot of young uh, women, a lot of young mothers, fathers, uh, grandmothers that are getting into sobriety, believe it or not, after the age of 60. Um, and the, the one place where we were lacking a bit was with young men. And so, um, and he, for him, I mean, I think he would have been kind of like me where we're all or nothing. So I think having epilepsy is the way they diagnosed him. If he drinks, he's just, I mean, it did happen at the beginning. He tried to go out with his medicine and still have cocktails. And we ended up in the ER every time. So it's not an option. And um, I think for him, you know, it, it, it helps him when he talks to others to heal also not feel alone because it's been hard, you know, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, when everyone was going to bars and, you know, the strobe lights, he wasn't allowed to, uh, to be around. And, you know, a lot of people were afraid, you know, that he'd have a seizure. So he was kind of like shoved aside and, you know, at a young age to find out who you thought your friends were and who they really were was quite something. And he was alone a lot and that was hard, you know, and even today, like, you know, he gets into situations and, and, and like my older son's friends will come over and, you know, they'll be drinking in the, the afternoon in the backyard, having a barbecue or whatever. And he just kind of stays just enough to, and then, you know, he goes off on his own. You know what I mean? So it's, it's still, it's uh, navigating through social situations. And I think the more he'll talk to people, the more he'll learn how they cope and how he copes will teach them different uh, ways. So I'm really proud of him. And, uh, you know, we're uh, helping, like our motto is if someone can stop drinking or drugs for one day, one week, one month, or a year. Uh, we're successful, and we might even have saved a life. And uh, you know, so um, it's 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 for the first time. I think we do do this other thing where we ask people to put their hand on their heart and say "I am," and after that, one word. And when we start talking with people, we often find. Most of them can't, they say, oh, I don't know. And, they, you know, they get very uptight about saying something positive about themselves. So we'll send them a word in the morning and at night to get them going. And then they send us one back. And, you know, at the beginning, we send words like funny, creative, sporty, things that are believable, you know, because if you tell somebody, oh, you're magnificent, you're so loved, you're so perfect, you're whatever, uh, they, they're just saying, no, that's not who I am. And as we build to help build their self-esteem, we've got comments back saying six months later, you know, we couldn't say one good thing about ourselves and now we can find 50. 
So they find the qualities they kind of forgot they had, you know, like you, for example, writing a book. I mean, that's incredible. You know, that's huge. You know, so there's endless possibilities when you're sober, I believe. Yeah. I wouldn't have any problem saying something nice about myself. Like even good. when I was, even when I wasn't feeling good about myself, I still had a huge ego so I could come up with a bunch of great words. But did you believe it inside? Did you believe it inside? Some of them. Yeah. Not all of them. Oh, so that's, that's what, you know, and I'm just all about, you know, uh, sometimes you just have to read between the lines when something isn't being said and watch for those red flags and reach out, reach out and know, let people know really they matter and they're important and they're, you know, one of a kind in the world needs them. I was waiting to hear that Canadian accent. I was like, she doesn't sound like she's from Canada. And then you said about and out. <laughs> there you go. Ah, there it is. Well, it's been more than a pleasure talking to you. Good Thank luck you. to you. I think what you're doing is great. I got to read that book of yours. Indeed you do. But 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 just know it's R rated. That's OK. You know what? Whatever it takes, there's a, there's a bunch of young guys called the Not So Anonymous Podcast. There are four young guys that are doing a podcast, and it's R-rated. And you know what? They're getting through to a lot of people. So you know what? Whatever works, keep doing it. I will. <laughs> it's Stay been, safe. It's been beyond a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. And remember, sober is the new cool. Indeed. It, it was always cool. Yeah, but now I think... People are realizing it's a lot cooler than they thought. And, you know, one more thing to, to add, though, is I think with your son, I mean, he seems to be a, more, a little bit more at peace with it. But as he gets older, he's going to realize it'll be, become more clear to him that it was a blessing to not have the option of getting involved in such foolishness. Yeah, and, and for me, unfortunately, his sickness made me well. Thank you so much. Thanks. Send them my regards. God bless. Likewise.